0: The Voice America Business Channel is brought to you by Intercall, the worldwide conferencing leader. Check out easy and reliable conferencing solutions at www.intercall.com forward slash radio. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network
2: Welcome to Turning Hard Times Into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor.
3: Welcome to Turning Hard Times Into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to remind you each week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Roger Wiegand, who publishes an excellent market letter on trading that is mostly focused on commodity trading that's called trader tracks and chen lin who will be with me in just a couple of minutes chen publishes what is chen buying what is chen selling also an excellent newsletter but more of uh... of an alert service to let you know when he thinks something is hot and when something is not and when you should buy and when you should sell chen has uh, has really registered a very very spectacular uh, trading result over the years uh and as i said chen will be with us in just a couple of minutes we do want to tell you also that we have a special introductory one time only offer for all three newsletters and you can call my assistant in new york claudio bossi at 718-457-1426 that's 718-457-1426 uh or simply go to our website at miningstocks.com that's the most direct way to go uh, online to order our services our three our three newsletters if you want to keep track of what I'm doing overall uh you can access those three newsletters uh as well as my radio show as well as uh a lot of other things I'm doing uh on BNN Fox CNBC uh... and also to look at some very good interviews that we've done of companies that i think are very exciting junior mining companies uh, also go to jay taylor media that's j-a-y-t-a-y-l-o-r media m-e-d-i-a dot com without the triple w's jay taylor media dot com and you can access all of my all of our services the newsletters as well as my this radio show uh... and um, uh... the fox cnbc appearances that i do as well and i think most importantly a lot of the companies that i interview um, and and a word about the junior mining sector in just a minute but let me just say i want to thank each of you again for listening to this show and making this the number one show on the voice america business channel uh... and that is only possible because a growing number of you are listening to this show. But of course, also making this show economically viable are our sponsors. So, for the first hour of this show, which uh, and we are now only a two-hour show again. We've gone back to two hours after a trial with three. Uh, our sponsors for the first hour are new people, new companies this time, uh, to a great extent. Ariga Gold Corp, Brigus Gold Corp has been with us before. Crocodile is an old name, familiar to most of you. Pelangio is also. Uh, of previous sponsor, thank you for all of you for coming back, and also a couple of new ones: Trevali Resources and, and uh, Enertopia Corporation. A couple of companies that I know very little about at this point in time, but we will be interviewing the CEOs of all of those companies at least once or twice over the next uh, few weeks, actually over the next three months. Uh, so we'll all have a better idea about the company, those companies, and their prospects. The new ones being. Uh, Auriga, Trevali, and and uh, Entertopia. Uh, Well, I've been saying for quite a while that we are in the buying—that this is a buying opportunity or a bull market of a lifetime for gold and gold mining stocks—and that is because the real price of gold has risen very dramatically. I've talked about how the price of gold has risen as measured against the Rogers Raw Materials Fund. From about a 15 percent—an ounce of gold would have bought 15 percent of the fund—to over 44 percent after the stock market implosion, the credit market implosion of 2008–2009. It's trailed back a bit to about 32 or 33 percent, but it's still a double over uh, the purchasing power of of gold prior to that problem. Uh, and this rise in the purchasing power of gold has led to improving margins for gold mining companies and that is really translating into major earnings growth for the uh, gold mining sector let me just tell you i've uh, just updated this statistic that i pass on to my subscribers to give you an idea the companies in this in this list and these are companies that are well-known gold producers agneagle eagle anglo gold barrick gold corp kinross gold newmont mining and yamana gold Add them all up, and collectively in 2008, those companies had per share earnings of $5.77. That grew to $7.05 in 2009, and in 2010, we just got the numbers in now, that grew to 13.62%. Now the consensus estimate by analysts is that that collective growth, uh, the collective growth in earnings next year, will rise to eighteen dollars and seventy-five cents, and then to twenty-three dollars and thirty-six cents. So the companies that earn collectively five dollars and seventy-seven cents in two thousand eight are expected to earn uh, twenty-three dollars and thirty-six cents by two thousand twelve. That is a huge growth in earnings and profits for the gold mining sector and i think that's particularly bullish for a lot of the companies that we have on spo- as sponsors on this show companies that come on uh, that we talk to on this show because these little companies are the companies that are better at finding major gold deposits the big guys are not as good at it they have to go out and uh, and and find new ore to replace the millions of ounces that they're producing each year. And the junior mining companies are the guys that find that. Now, it is also true, as Ian McAvity has said on this show, and I know it's true from my own experience, that it is the junior mining companies where, all, where the biggest portion of profits are made during a bull market uh, in gold. Uh this week uh this last week I commented on Calico resources and that's a former sponsor of this show actually we interviewed the uh, CEO of Calico you can listen to it if you go to the archives last week uh, last week's archives on this radio show that is the first hour this is a company with an excellent management company I think uh looks like it could be a huge winner it's speculative for sure No uh, promises, no guarantees, but go back and listen to that or subscribe to my newsletter. I wrote a report on Calico uh, and recommended that stock to my subscribers last week. I also commented favorably this last week on Sandgold. And Maudor Minerals as well, and by the way, in just a few minutes after our commercial break and after I talked to Chen Lin, uh, we're going to have Ron Shore, he's going to be with us from London. He is the CEO of Maudor Minerals, a company that has done extremely well for our subscribers over the years, uh, so Maudor Minerals will talk about their Comtois property. Uh, Ron Shore will be here to talk to us about their Comtois property in Quebec, Uh, a really outstanding-looking prospect, a company in my view still, even though we've had big gains over the last number of years. Now, while the outlook for gold has been terrific, I think you can make the case that for silver, it's even more splendid silver uh, has risen, whereas gold has risen, has more than doubled in its purchasing power over the last few years. If you go back to 2005, silver has increased six-fold as measured against the Rogers Raw Materials Fund. So I'm expecting we're going to see huge profits and big, big gains in the silver mining sector. We talked recently to Great Panther. It's a company that was on our uh was a sponsor last time it's a company that I've recommended in my newsletter their shares are up big time uh another stock that I like really very much was is Southern Silver Exploration we had them on last week we talked to the CEO of Southern Silver Exploration I also reviewed that company that company's earnings and prospects looks really bullish to me as well uh so I wrote a very positive report on that company as well uh, well, again, you can get a report. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to my newsletter, call Claudio Bossi at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. Well, we only have three minutes until the break, and I'm crowding out a guy that has a lot more important things to say than I do. He's Chen Lin. Welcome, Chen. Thank you, Jay chen uh... we got a couple of minutes uh... sorry for being such a big mouth i want to get right to your view of the markets what do you think about we've seen gold touch fifteen hundred today silver is flying high what are your thoughts on gold and silver right now
4: Yeah, well, it's quite bullish you know uh... you, you, you can see silver has been rising much quicker than gold uh, part part of it is uh, some kind of uh, catch up, catching up. You know, the uh, the silver has been lagging before. Now it's very catch up. So eventually, we could see gold going as fast as silver. You know, going like a parabolic up. You know, fifty dollars a day easily. I mean, later on in the in the stage of the rally. So I mean, this um, fifteen hundred is only uh, one, you know, one milestone, and we will we'll have uh, many more to come.
3: Um, all right, you so but you know, we've had quite a rise here. Would you expect maybe a breather here in gold or silver sometime in the near future?
4: Those are very hard to say. Uh, it really depends on what Fed is going to do. I don't know what Bernanke is thinking. He probably thinking about QE3 with oil so high, but I don't know. Uh, those, those kinds of are hard to speculate. Usually, our uh, gold price will weaken in the right now, you know we can in the summer but this year has been strengthened so which is very interesting. It will be end of the year rally will be very exciting because that's usually a strong season of gold. If gold is is strong even in the weak season, how you know, how can you imagine go how much it can rise in the strong season at the end of the
3: year that's a very interesting comment uh... you know we have people wondering if if gold is in a bubble uh, and all i can say is that if i walk around the streets of new york i find very few people very interested in gold there aren't many people i would say i I like to say one in a hundred maybe it's maybe it's two in a hundred i don't know but most people aren't interested in gold uh... is that your sense of it as well chen
4: Right, it it hasn't wake up yet. I mean, all the traders is thinking about how to short gold. And <laughs> every day they wake up, they say, "Oh, I want to short gold. I want to short gold." Well, go ahead. What about
3: stocks? And what about stocks in general, Chen? Do you see? Uh, you know, there's that old saying, "Sell in May and go away." Do you think that maybe uh, that the equity market in general could take a breather here?
4: Yeah, I'm quite concerned. I wrote quite a few times in my uh, newsletter. Now we have uh, quite a few subscribers got panic. So, oh, why is uh, my stock not moving? Why, you know, with gold and silver? That's general the process. You know, sometimes it's outperformed. Sometimes it underperformed the commodity. So, it's nothing new. And we have a selling may work coming. In, you know, we almost end of April. So, they could weaken in the near term as well. But that set up some very interesting buying opportunity in the summer. You know, I, I, I see quite, you know, quite, I mean, I'm looking forward to that. You know, we, you have to keep some liquidity at hand. So when the summer comes, nobody's buying, that will be a good buying opportunity.
3: Do you, uh, so are you suggesting maybe some people might take some profits off the table or take a little bit off the table, build up some cash for a buying opportunity so you have some firepower after the, um, uh, you know, sell in May episode is over?
4: Well, I've been suggesting to take profit a long while ago, early this year. So mm-hmm. I've been quite conservatively. You know investing throughout this year so i'm I'm not you know so now maybe a little bit late, but you know it's really up to you to your strategy you know what yeah. you know it's because it has been down a lot a lot of uh, juniors have been hit hard lately
3: yeah each uh e- each of course each individual has to gauge their own needs and their own uh, uh, psychological makeup and, and, and invest accordingly because you do want to be able to sleep at night and have peace of mind. Are you still bullish on the paper pulp stocks, Chen?
4: Yeah, I've been, I've, I'm bullish on paper pulp. Uh, you know, I think that they're, they're pretty good except that the fact that, you know, if oil rise, you know, economic weaken, that may be negative for paper pulp. But, you know, the earthquake, Japan, Japanese earthquake, is quite positive to paper pulp.
3: Yeah, you were quite concerned when when oil went uh, considerably above $70 a, a, a barrel. Are you still quite concerned about what this higher oil price is going to do to the global economy?
4: Yeah, I mean when oil over 110, I was, uh, you know, quite concerned. I mean, now it's down a little bit. I hope it go come down below 100 soon. Otherwise, it'll be a problem. Right now, it's all the traders, all these analysts on Wall Street just pretend it never happened this high oil price and then pretend that the u.s. economy will grow at four percent it's not the truth you know that's a problem that's a disconnect
3: all right, Chen, unfortunately, uh, we'll have to leave it at that. We're uh, uh, running out of time. I failed to mention our main guest this week is going, are going to be Sean Broderick. And we were just talking about silver. Well, Sean's going to give us five reasons why silver uh, is going to go much, much higher. Uh, we're going to try to challenge Sean's bullishness if we can. Uh, and then in the second hour today, uh, we are going to be talking to Sean Hyman. Uh, he's a 20-year veteran in the markets uh, and has uh, really is in the uh, in the currency market. So we're going to find out which currencies Sean likes, uh, Sean Hyman likes, and we're going to also find out what he thinks about gold vis-a-vis all currencies. Well, that's all the time we have for this segment. We're going to be right back with Ron Shore. Uh, he's the uh, chairman and CEO of a wonderful company uh, with an operation, with an exploration operation going very strongly in Quebec, uh, Mador. Uh, minerals. We'll be right back with Ron Shore, so don't go away.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Enertopia Corporation is exploring for precious metal deposits in the western United States. The Copper Hills Project is a near-surface copper and silver oxide deposit. Historic bulk sampling has returned results of 0.8% copper and 3 ounces per ton silver. This year's work program will consist of an IP survey and a drilling program to test the near-surface copper-silver mineralization. Additional projects are under review. Enertopia trades on the OTCBB under ticker ENRT and in Canada under the symbol TOP on the CNN. ASX Exchange
1: Crocodile Gold Corp is a new gold producer with bite with operating gold mines in the Northern Territory of Australia. Crocodile Gold produced 82,000 ounces of gold in 2010. Crocodile Gold has significant exploration upside on its expansive land package of 2,500 square kilometers. Please visit our website at www.crockgold.com for more information. Don't let this snappy opportunity pass by.
0: Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business.
1: Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love arrive. I'll be sliding down, I'll be blind.
2: taylor at com. now back to our program
3: welcome back to turning hard times into good times as i said the first so during the first segment and as i've said repeatedly on this show i believe that we are in a bull market of a lifetime for gold mining shares and You know, I'm in my early 60s, and so uh, that puts that into some perspective. I was a young man during the last bull market in gold. That was uh, in the 1970s. It culminated with an 850 spectacular spike up in the price of gold in January of of, uh, 1980. Uh, at that time, I remember there was a huge amount of interest in gold. There was a panic buying. There were people lined up in the streets of New York to buy gold coins. I don't see anything like that right now in the mood of the American people. There's nothing that indicates to me that Americans are even hardly conscious of the gold price, even though it hit $1,500 an ounce today. Well, I have been saying, as I said in the first segment also, that the gold, uh, the senior gold mining companies are registering very, very strong profits cash flowing into those companies very strongly and they're going to be looking down market to the guys that are really good at finding gold and i'm talking about the junior mining companies primarily canadian mining companies Those guys, the juniors, have the corporate initiative and the corporate mandate to go out and find gold and silver and other minerals. One company that has been very successful and one of my best stock picks over the last few years in my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, has been Maudor Minerals. Limited. And I'm delighted to have with me right now from London. He's traveling in London right now, Ron Shore. He's the CEO and chairman of the board of Motor Minerals Limited. Welcome, Ron, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times.
5: Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for your uh, wonderfully written uh, write up uh, update this past weekend on our company.
3: Well, I took some time to to speak to uh, one of your people who's well versed in in your company, uh, and uh, you know I just had to write. I had to tell my subscribers about it. I should mention to the listeners that motor trades uh, under the symbol MAO and on the bench on the Toronto Exchange, uh, and in the United States you can buy it on the over the counter market uh, as I have under the symbol MAOMF. That's M-A-O-M-F. About 24.5 million shares outstanding. Was trading around $7. And why I'm chirping about this story is that I was able to pick it up. Yeah, it was in 2006. It was a while ago, but I got it at 69 cents. And it has traded recently around $6.75, $6.80, something like that. But that gives it a market cap of about $160 million. the company does have a forty three one oh one resource ron tell our listeners what is that gold resource how many ounces do you have
5: on a cut basis our resource is one point two million ounces and uncut it's one point four million ounces the differential being uh... just for conservative purposes a cut basis has taken all of our drill holes that were in excess of sixty five grams per ton and dropped it down to 65 grams per ton. And we have lots and lots of drill holes. I haven't counted them all, but uh, it's probably in the area of 50-plus drill holes already that are uh, in excess of that uh, standard that's used for the cutting purposes. And uh, I I guess one of the reasons you uh, spotlighted us this week was we had a a, a report on a hole that had 1,198, Uh, grams of gold in it. That's almost uh, 38 ounces of gold per ton. And uh, I think it might have been you that said that would be a pretty good hole in uh, silver, (laughs) let alone gold. And uh, we're very delighted with it. It was really spectacular.
3: Well, Ron, if my multiplication is right, that's about $57,000 rock at $1,500 gold. And if you can't make money with $57,000 rock, you never will. Of course, nothing like that is going to be the average. In that average, uh, Ron, and we should be clear about this, I believe that a good part of that 1.2 or 1.4 million ounces uh, is somewhat lower grade because it's an open pit surface target. Is that not the case?
5: That's right. Uh, in the forty three one oh one which we uh, published in the middle of last August, uh, 500,000 of the 1.2 million ounces came up within the first 150 meters below surface. And the geologists uh, did a, a very rough back-of-the-envelope thought, and that was, well, certainly you could have an open pit down to 150 meters. Actually, it, it's likely to go deeper than that. There are Uh, around the world, open pits that go down to four or even 600 uh, meter depths. Uh, So we're doing a lot of our work now trying to engineer uh, and uh, make some rough calculations as to how deep we can make the pit. And that uh, pit number came in at a rather uh, wonderful uh, 3.2 grams. Uh, Uh Most open pits in the world today, as I'm sure you know, uh, are coming in at roughly one gram so we will have uh... hopefully uh, better than three times the grade of the open pit and that will have a marvelous impact not only on operating costs but also on capital costs i mean some of these large mines that are going into production today require billions and billions of dollars uh... to get into production and uh, my thought is uh, maybe we'll we'll be in the category of uh, low hundreds of millions, uh, mm-hmm. nowhere near have to raise the kind of money that uh, a typical large open pit does.
3: Well, sure. I mean, if you've got a higher grade, it means moving less rock through a, a process uh, and a facility than if you have a lower grade. So, uh, but Ron, you, you know, we have done extremely well as it with your stock in my newsletter as i mentioned we we bought it at 69 cents it's been up around as high as 7 bucks or so or even higher uh, is there still juice left in this story is this something i should tell i mean i don't suppose i'm going to get an unbiased answer from you ron you're the, the the ceo and chairman of a company you're not going to say sell my stock but let me ask you uh, can you give our listeners some sense of what you got 1.4 million ounces uh, you know, uncut. What do you think, give, give our listeners some sense of the exploration potential here and the structure that you know about. You've got, you've got some some sniffs of gold on either end of a long trend. Could you just talk about that for a minute?
5: Yeah, our strike length Jay is uh, about one and three quarters kilometers long and uh, along that uh, strike length uh, we have uh, depths uh... going down to as deep as uh, 900 meters where we encountered some gold actually some some very high-grade gold at uh, the eight hundred sixty five meter depth um, our forty three one oh one measures the ounces mostly down to roughly four hundred uh... meters and and there are uh, some uh, blank spaces in there too uh... because we haven't drilled every section of the deposit down to four hundred meters So uh, as people, uh, I I don't want to be quoted because the the mathematics of putting together uh, a resource and reserve are quite complex, Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, other people looking at our deposit think uh, we've understated things uh, uh, at least by maybe half uh, and maybe more uh, by just looking at uh, what what the surface uh, uh, to, to that Four hundred or probably uh, down to uh, six hundred meter depths will be easily mineable uh the last uh, several hundred meters of course would uh would be done in an underground uh mm-hmm. and underground we have nice uh, grades too at uh seven grams
4: mm-hmm.
5: now uh I've mentioned our strike length being uh it's ba- basically east to west uh going for one and three quarters kilometers we have not drilled j uh On either side of that strike, we've been so busy uh, finding out how much gold we have along that distance. Mm -hmm. uh, And the time has come, (laughs) uh, the doctor said, uh, to speak of many things here. And uh, one of the things uh, I'm intent on doing in the very near future is uh, uh, putting lots of holes on both sides of our strike length to see if we can... uh, uh, mm-hmm. add a lot of ounces by having a uh, a much longer uh deposit than what we've uh, we've thought or what we've drilled mm-hmm. at all.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed the uh, the structure map that I looked at showed uh showed this trend heading north whereas in east-west and then it seemed to to rise to the north and and that has been untested as far as I'm as far as I know.
5: Absolutely right. And uh we also have an enormous land package. Uh, Jay, you and I live in New York and I can easily say with our um uh it was it uh two hundred and thirty one thousand acres, I believe, uh we have more land than the city of New York, including all five bor- boroughs. Mm-hmm. And uh uh in that land, uh we hope and our geologists tell me we should have, if we're lucky we'll find, uh other deposits of uh similar or maybe slightly different nature. And uh, over the winter uh, is the best time for us to drill that expanse. It actually goes for about 75 miles west of Mm. uh, where the resource is. And Mm. uh, we put some serious holes in there this winter, and uh, we'll do it again next winter. But that's low priority, but it could uh, easily uh, make make the stock worth a lot more if we can find a second or third deposit out there.
3: Okay, so Ron, let me ask you this: Given the the uh, one point one and three quarter strike length, what portion of that has been exact? Say percentage wise, what percentage of the known strike length has been uh, has been drilled to date, more or less? And and well, let I let me phrase it this way: From the one point four million ounces, what portion of that strike length have would that be? Would that have come from?
5: Uh. <laughs> Uh, visually oh, i I haven't taken a uh, calipers to it but visually it looks to me like that's uh considerably less than half uh mm. but I don't want readers to and uh, listeners to jump to a conclusion that automatically sure. Sure. uh we're going to uh, double or, or triple our, our resource because of it uh but that's possible uh, yeah, because, okay. uh okay. because we haven't uh the uh, we, uh, that was uh, as of August when we issued the forty three one o one since then in the first hundred and fifty meters uh we've we pretty much drilled all the way across to fairly uh tight dimensions. Um, I would guess right now we're on uh, all the way across that in the first hundred and fifty meters below surface uh we're on uh, uh, intervals of uh less than fifty meters. Uh, so we're attacking this from the standpoint of, gee, you know, an open pit goes into this, uh, makes up this property for the first four or five years of its production life. And then uh, eventually, probably uh, sometime in the next decade, uh, the open pit will come into effect. And what's the present value of uh, production nine years from now versus the present value of production just a few years from now? It's sure. vastly different. So uh, that's been our uh, our impetus for not only drilling uh, substantially uh, the first 150 meters, but also we have a lot of work going into uh, uh, Lakefield Labs, the uh, the gold standard uh, for metallurgical work, uh, to test out our recoveries to get, to get much more data on that, and uh, we have a new chief operating officer whose mission is to. Uh, model the deposit, and try and make some initial calculations Uh as to what the strip ratio will be in the open pit and uh, what the pit walls will look like, and uh, actually uh, make some kind of rough gauge as to how far down uh, structurally uh, uh, can this deposit be mined in an open pit.
3: Okay, Ron, unfortunately, we're out of time. There is so much more to talk about, but people who are interested can definitely follow your progress. Give them your website so they can do so.
5: Okay, it's com, and remember, our motto is high-grade gold in Quebec, and it just doesn't get any better than that in the mining business.
3: well, we, it sure doesn't. We didn't have time to talk about all the attributes of, of working in Quebec, uh, maybe for another time. Uh, Ron, will have you back. Thank you very much. Folks, don't go away, because coming up next is Sean Broderick, and he's going to tell us why silver, even though some people are saying it's a bubble, Sean's going to tell us, I think he's going to tell us, why he's still bullish on silver. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Sean Broderick.
0: America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
1: Crocodile Gold Corp is a new gold producer with bite. With operating gold mines in the Northern Territory of Australia, Crocodile Gold produced 82,000 ounces of gold in 2010. Crocodile Gold has significant exploration upside on its expansive land package of 2,500 square kilometres. Please visit our website at www.crocgold.com for more information. Don't let this snappy opportunity pass by.
2: Brigus Gold is a growing gold producer with expected production of about 85,000 ounces of gold this year from its Black Fox mine in the Timmins Gold District in Canada. Next door to Black Fox, Brigus has the exciting Gray Fox Pike River Gold Project. Brigus is also advancing its Gold Fields Project in Saskatchewan, Canada, and its promising exploration projects in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. All of its gold assets are in low-risk operating jurisdictions. Consider Brigus as your gold investment choice. Brigus is listed on the MX and TSX under the symbol BRD.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
1: Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding.
3: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for at least a second time Sean Broderick. Sean uh, is a member of the Weiss Research team, which he joined in 2000 as an analyst, bringing more than 25 years of experience as a journalist and financial analyst to that position. Uh, He is Weiss Research's small caps specialist, uh, especially in natural resources, and he is the editor of the company's Red Hot Canadian Small Caps. Uh, publication as well as a regular contributor to its daily e-letter money and markets and previously sean was the investment director of the sovereign society that's the world's leading publisher of offshore asset protection strategies and global investment opportunities he is recognized for his expertise in canadian and australian investment companies uh, investment opportunities uh... sean has been featured on many financial talk shows including cnbc squawk box uh, Bloomberg Market Line. Uh, and he is a weekly guest on Market Matters Radio and contributing col- uh, columnist to MarketWatch.com and a frequent commentator on Howstreet.com. Welcome, Sean, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Hi, thanks for having me on. Really good to have you back again. I know we talked to you about your survival book, a book that you wrote, the good common sense about how people, uh, if things break down, social order breaks down, how people can best protect themselves and and be ready for those events. And I think there, our listeners gained an awful lot from you uh, in that regard, in practical things, practical ways to protect yourself. But we're also about protecting ourselves financially, and certainly. Uh, the precious metals. For those of us who have been, uh, who, who have who have understood that it's destruction of paper money, we've gone out and bought uh, precious metals, both the, the physical metals themselves and the shares. Uh, we've done very well, and I know that you have done very well for your clients as well. Uh, recently, you were talking about. You wrote a piece about silver, and you had five reasons that you were still very, very bullish on silver. I see that you uh, your target has been seventeen hundred and ten dollars for gold, and forty three dollars and fifty cents for silver. Now I think you might have written this maybe three, four weeks ago. I believe we're almost there for silver, aren't we? And and if so, um, do you have a new target for silver and gold?
6: Yeah. Um. One thing I would like to say clear is that I don't have clients. I have subscribers because. We are probably here at Likewise Research, which is just one of those legal things that you just have to lay out um,
3: (laughs) from the get-go. It's an important difference, um, believe me. um,
6: Well, um, I was thinking we might run into some overhead resistance at uh, 43.50, but you know what? Silver's just incredibly strong. Right now, I don't see any reason why we can't run to the psychological resistance around... Fifty dollars. Now that will probably take some time to get through uh, because many people have been in this game for a while. They'll just naturally feel moved to just grab some gains, that kind of thing. But um, beyond that, you know, after we get through that, and I think eventually we will, we'll probably go higher and higher. We are seeing a breakdown in the paper currencies of the world. The U.S. dollar is one prime example, and as we see the continued destruction of the paper currencies then we'll see the real currencies, gold and silver, come more into play. And that's only one of the many things that should push silver higher.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's talk about the five reasons. Um, You you had listed a, a number of them. Let's see, one was Indian silver demand. Let's talk about that.
6: Yeah, well, it's still getting stronger. I mean, India is the world's biggest market for precious metals. China's coming on strong, by the way, but we will get to China in a bit. but um, thanks to high gold prices, more people in India are now purchasing silver, uh, both as jewelry and as investments as well. and so um, we saw their we saw their imports of silver rise twenty percent year over year and uh, probably going to do the same again this year, at least according to the early forecasts. Of course, as the year goes along and prices go up or down, anything can happen. I think prices will trend higher, so Maybe that'll have an impact on their actual imports later in the year, but for now, it looks still extremely strong. Then the next thing would be, of course, China's silver demand. I mean, it's off the charts. That country's net imports um, quadrupled last year. That's how strong the demand for silver is in China. And you have to keep in mind that China used to be a net exporter of silver. I mean, for many years, China exports used to be a major component of the global silver supply. Now they're a huge importer, not only because people want silver bars and stuff like that, which they do, but because China is the industrial workshop for the world, and because silver has so many industrial applications, they're importing a lot more silver in there. So, I mean, 2010 was a huge year. This year, it just looks like it's going to be enormous. In fact, in January, the Commercial Bank of China said uh, that it sold... um, five times the amount of silver to individual citizens that it did a year earlier. So that just shows the kind of pace that was set there early in the year.
3: Mm. Uh, is part of the reason for the surging demand in India and China inflation and inflation concerns? Are those two countries having much worse inflationary problems than we're having in the U.S.? Well, certainly China
6: is. Uh, in uh, the most recent measure there, inflation's running at 5.4%. Of course, um Our inflation measure here is massaged to death, but um, still you have to think that people in China are quite concerned about what's going on with inflation. In fact, the Chinese government has told its people to buy precious metals as a hedge against inflation. Now, I'm not saying that everyone in China is going to do what the government says, but when you have official backing, that actually goes quite a long way. And so that's one of the reasons we're seeing picked up demand over there.
3: That's an interesting. That raises an interesting question. I don't know if we have time to raise it or not, Sean. But why would the governments be, uh, you know, would be encouraging silver and gold purchasing when in the U.S. it seems to be almost the opposite?
6: Yeah, that is kind of funny, isn't it? <laughs> well, mean, maybe we um, can talk about that. I, I want to make sure reasons. we get. I don't really know why, but um, but uh, certainly it's a very interesting uh, development over there. Uh,
3: I don't. You know, we could speculate and, and bat the breeze over those kind of issues, I suppose. Mm. But let's get to the third. A third reason you see silver going higher, and that's silver bullion coin sales. Sure, they're just running red hot. I mean,
6: uh, now, uh, when I wrote this article, which is when I had this information, uh, the U.S. Mint reported that sales of one-ounce silver eagles were running 58% ahead of last year. Now, I had heard more recently that there was some slacking off, but still the trend is just enormous, and it's not only the U.S. Mint, the Royal A Canadian Mint, which um, that has those like silver and gold maple leaf bullion coins, they uh, are actually saying they are having a hard time finding enough silver in volume to actually source their coins. So um, it just shows that the uh, small mom-and-pop investors in the U.S., the ones who are more likely to buy their silver in coin form, they're just really, really wanting to buy a lot of it. And the thing about that is, you know, once people buy those coins, they don't turn around and sell them. These aren't people who trade in and out. They, like, buy them and they tuck them away. And so uh, when uh, you look at, like, that kind of trend, that shows that's something that I've talked to people about for a long time, which is that most Americans just have no knowledge of, like, silver or gold at all. You know, they just aren't aware of it. Mm -hmm. And but now it seems that maybe some of them are starting to wake up and we're starting to see a gradual and growing awareness in the broader public. I don't think we've gotten anywhere near the mania stage yet, but Mm -hmm. now we're starting to see the first part of that happening where people are saying, you know, it would be a good thing if I had some silver tucked away against the hard times that I can see coming that the government is just trying to deny.
3: Mhm. Well, you know, we've had uh, some major uh investors like Sprott. Sprott came in and I know that Sprott has has been, you know, very vocal about uh about the paper game, about how people have been willing to just roll over their futures contracts from one one contract to the next, and Sprott has uh, has made a big deal about going out and actually taking possession of its of its silver. There have been some people that have claimed there's just not enough silver out there to meet all of the paper, uh, paper demands that would be there if people decided they weren't going to roll over their futures contracts and actually demanded um, delivery. Uh, do you have any comment about that?
6: Well, I hear these things, too. Um, that is um, actually kind of frightening when you think about it, because I like the global financial system. I don't want to see it go away. And so uh, I would rather these kind of apocalyptic things not happen. Um, mm-hmm. certainly if there is, uh, a, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a strike or else whatever, like that, certainly the price of silver will probably go much higher in a hurry. And there just aren't the actual physical supplies that can actually, you know, come into the market. Much of the above ground, uh, scrap and, and like other stockpiles has been used up over time. The U.S. government used to have a huge amount of silver. They've sold most of that off now. And, mm-hmm. um, also... From the mines, this is actually reason number four that I have here. Right. Mine supply just can't keep up. It 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 is growing. It is growing, uh, but it's not growing fast enough that it can potentially keep up with a surge in demand. I mean, right now they're expecting 3.8 percent growth from mine production this year, which is actually quite good compared to previous years. So that just shows. The um, the like snowball effect of like all these small miners that we look at all the time, finally starting to bring in new production and stuff, and so you can see how that's finally starting to come to market. But at the same time, we are seeing demand from all over the places, including and I'll just jump ahead to point number five, which is silver ETF demand. I mean, um, it's not just the SLV, which is the major uh, which is the major silver ETF in the uh, in the U.S., and it's not just the silver ETFs up in Canada. There are new silver ETFs all over the world. They're in India, they're in London, and soon we'll have them in China as well. And so these are very easy ways for people to invest in the metal and just have it as a hedge in their portfolio because they're thinking, you know, I should have some exposure to silver in my portfolio, and I don't want to hide it under my bed depending on like where they live and stuff. And so that's just an easy way for them to allocate some money. And and we're seeing a growing awareness of the investment public. Maybe they should have silver in their portfolio, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So we just see this snowball growing in the ETFs around the world, and I have a chart here which is, again, from March, but I'm sure an updated one would probably look even better. That just shows the amount of silver that's being scooped up by these funds, and that's the kind of thing that can overwhelm the supply of new silver coming from the mines.
3: Well certainly uh there is this whole notion uh, you know because people try to analyze gold and silver uh as they would any other commodity and I think that you you know you you mentioned just a minute ago that that this is real money gold and silver it's money that the markets have chosen as money it's not money that's fiat or by law it's money that for various reasons for reasons that that i think nature has endowed these metals with the the properties they have they have been chosen as barter instruments as monetary instruments as monetary metals over the years uh... people like to try to analyze gold and silver just as they do uh... copper or zinc or lead or any or oil or whatever and and they look at the supply side now i think it's probably more appropriate in silver i'd like to get your your opinion on this but if we look at gold for example the amount of gold, whether the gold, whether gold production rises, uh, you know, doubles even uh, in, in, over a couple of years, makes very little difference in terms of the total amount of gold above gold ground there is. I've heard it said that there's something like 55 years of above ground gold supply. There's six or seven years of above ground silver supply, and then there's and then there's you know, virtually six months or, or less than a year of copper and the base metals. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm wondering uh, to what extent uh... can we can we expect that silver can increase silver mine production can increase to meet this surging demand when there's a shift from uh... from from the normal use of silver which had been used more for industry than gold all of a sudden now there is a monetary a poor man's gold if you will uh... rise towards silver and you know what what are you seeing? I know you follow the mining sector. You follow some of the companies that I follow, actually. And there are the right. small companies. Great Panther is one I know you follow. I follow. Great Panther is doing very well. But what are they going to produce? I mean, they're producing, what, a couple couple million ounces of silver a year, that equivalent. I mean, co- what does that do to the overall demand? Uh, I guess it's, it's being overwhelmed, right? The supply is being overwhelmed uh, by this surging monetary demand for silver. Is that what it is?
6: Yeah, well, um, actually, there's like three things, actually, that we're speaking about here. One is the ongoing monetary demand for silver, which just seems to get more and more. And Mm -hmm. there is the supply from the miners. And, um, like, you and I speak to these guys all the time. There are new mines coming online, especially down in Mexico, especially Mm -hmm. in China. And so, yes, there are new mines coming along. But at the same time, there are forces in the mining world which actually might actually crimp the amount of of like silver being mined in places like bolivia and peru there are political movements afoot that um... could uh... well i don't want to say wreck havoc but could at least uh... throw a wrench in the works of the production of the mines down there and those are some of the richest silver producing regions in the world and so it's not guaranteed that silver production is going to keep going up and up. We hope it will. I mean, especially when you see these big projects coming online down in Mexico and like stuff like that. Then yes, because I think that we are going to have to make a gradual shift away from the kind of paper currency we use now to a new currency that will be backed up by some kind of physical component. That could be a basket of things like silver and gold and, I don't know, maybe copper and like other things that might be set by the government saying this is how much stuff we have and so this is what the currency is worth. And uh that might be the next step that we go to. I don't think we're going to some kind of grand unified global currency or any of that like conspiracy stuff, but I can see this happening simply because the whole global financial system is being stressed out by the fact that governments can print as much as they want of paper currency. And Mm -hmm. that's part of the problem we have with the global financial system is that, you know, when you can print as much money as you want and that distorts, I mean, the whole system, that is actually one of the problems we have. So I think we also have to figure in that there could be a large extraneous black swan event. And it could be anything. But if we have, say, um, a real panic in the U.S. dollar, for example, most people are not prepared for that. But if we have something like that where the dollar loses half its value in a very short amount of time, you know, that could be the kind of thing that could really send silver much, much higher. I can't think of many black swan events that would send the price of silver much, much lower. Now, it could take a haircut. And frankly, I'd be happy to see some backing and filling, some consolidation, even a real correction for a while because you can never own enough, right? And you always want to buy it Mm -hmm. cheaper. But I can't think mm-hmm. of a real black swan event that would really knock the stuffing out of silver at this point. It's in a mm-hmm. big, big uptrend, and it's going to last for quite some time.
3: Well, I would throw this out uh, to you to get your response on it, Sean. Uh, this is my, my belief, and tell me if you agree or not. Uh, immediately after the Lehman Brothers decline and the uh, credit implosion that we saw in um, September of 2008, stretched out until about March of 2009 when the markets, the risk uh, aversion was sort of lost and we went back to a risk trade and people started gaining confidence. The money money was pumped into the system and, uh, and we started seeing, I would say, a reflation trade. Uh, what we saw immediately though was that gold gained relative to silver. That was short-lived and as we pointed out, Silver has been outperforming gold uh, by, a, by a mile, and I'd like to ask yeah. you, you know, what you think the reasons for that are. But, but it seems to me that gold does better in a deflationary environment, uh, a credit implosion. Could that be a black swan that could cause silver to fall, maybe not relative to most everything else, but relative to gold, perhaps?
6: Sure. Um, Short if run. You, um, if you see a new global recession, because one of the big things that takes silver off the market is, of course, all that industrial use. So if you see something that causes the factories in China to shut down, then we will see the price of silver you know, drop a lot. But we have mm-hmm. to remember, or, or else we have to imagine, I think, what else could be going on in the world. And if we're having a huge financial crisis, yes, I think the price of gold will be going much higher. But I think at some point people are going to say, you know what, we really want to own silver, too, because it's another monetary metal. I don't believe in actually putting this country back on the gold standard. I think back when we were on the mixed standard, silver and gold, which we were for quite some time, everybody was happy, everybody had enough money, it was able to work out. When we went to the gold standard, nobody had money except the very, very rich people. That was a very tough time for us. So I think eventually we're going to go back to the gold and silver standard, and it's something that's workable. And it might be more than that. I mean, it'll probably be represented by a paper currency. It could be other things in the basket. But if we get that big event that knocks the world into a big recession, and it could be a precursor to the kind of stuff that I'm talking about here, that's the kind of thing that could knock silver down quite a bit because it won't be used as much for industrial activity. I would Mm -hmm. use that event as an opportunity to buy silver because I will... Bet you a lot of silver <laughs> that that it will go much higher after that once the whole thing straightens out and people realize you know what is the real money in the world
3: well Sean, we only have about two minutes left. I want to ask you uh, first of all let our listeners know where they can track your your work uh, so we so we're sure that they know that before we say uh, before we conclude our discussion
6: um sure um I'll just say that the bio that you read for me, as m- much as I like hearing exactly from a while ago. <laughs> um, I I am at Weiss Research, but I work for UncommonWisdomDaily.com, which is a okay. portal website they have. And if you go there, you can find about my uh, publication's Crisis Profit Hunter, which is a monthly publication. It's been doing very well. And Red Hot Global Resources, which is uh, that's kind of the one that where I head around the world, look at uh, small-cap mining stocks, stuff like that. So if you're interested in that... Look at Red Hot Global Resources. That portfolio has just been doing great. But hey, it's a bull market. You can't you can't mistake bull market for genius.
3: And so, oh boy! <laughs> it, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, that is really true. I mean, there's there's no doubt. But you know, the the main thing is to be in the right sector. And I've been saying this is the bull market of a lifetime for gold and silver. Uh, would you agree with that?
6: Yes, I um I w- I would agree completely. This is something we'll be telling our kids about because it's uh... really. Um, it's a rare event that I think we're seeing now because the value of the real money and the value of the money that isn't really worth anything is completely out of whack. It, it will go back to where it should be. And so that's why uh, we'll see these stocks and the metals themselves do so well
3: well i know you uh... we are all out of time unfortunately i know that you have a lot of great picks and people can avail themselves to your service if they follow up with that website you just mentioned and uh... they can Uh, they can take advantage of, of the work that you're doing. And, uh, I know that you go out and visit a lot of these mining projects and, uh, there's no better way to, uh, to really provide information than to actually get out there and see the projects themselves. There's no doubt about that. I want to thank you very much, Sean, for being with us again. Uh, and all the best to you. And, uh, just want to let our guests, our listeners know, uh, that coming up next is another Sean. His name is Sean Hyman. He's going to talk to us about the paper markets. Well, about the, currency markets. Anyway, we'll get his pick uh, and his idea. We're going to pick his brain a little bit about the hard money uh, items that Sean and I just talked about, but we also want to find out where the relative value or which currencies might be the least bad currencies to invest in as we go forward with Sean Ham Hyman. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Enertopia Corporation is exploring for precious metal deposits in the western United States. The Copper Hills Project is a near-surface copper and silver oxide deposit. Historic bulk sampling has returned results of 0.8% copper and 3 ounces per ton silver. This year's work program will consist of an IP survey and a drilling program to test the near-surface copper-silver mineralization. Additional projects are under review. Enertopia trades on the OTCBB under ticker ENRT and in Canada under the symbol TOP on the CNN. SX Exchange.
2: Brigus Gold is a growing gold producer with expected production of about 85,000 ounces of gold this year from its Black Fox mine in the Timmins Gold District in Canada. Next door to Black Fox, Brigus has the exciting Gray Fox Pike River Gold Project. Brigus is also advancing its Gold Fields Project in Saskatchewan, Canada, and its promising exploration projects in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. All of its gold assets are in low-risk operating jurisdictions. Consider Brigus as your gold investment choice. Brigus is listed on the MX and TSX under the symbol BRD